Welcome to the Legends of Oral Regeneration by the Osteology Foundation. One host, one guest, and a whole bunch of experience and expertise. Meet the people behind the names and get unique insights. I would like to welcome uh, all our friends uh, today to this uh, uh, session for Legends of Oral Regeneration podcast of the Osteology Foundation. Today, uh, the interview legend is uh, a person that I respect greatly. I have the honor to call him my mentor and my friend. And as we discussed before, it is, I really feel privileged that I am the person who is performing this interview. Uh, for those who know me, probably they understand that this person, this legend, will be Professor Klaus Lang. Even though the, there's no need for a prolonged introduction for Professor Lang, for Klaus, as I will be calling you during this, uh, uh, the next uh, few minutes, I would just like to put some points of your excellent career, the career that has been dominating the field of periodontology and has been really the shining light for many clinical academics in terms of inspiration. Professor Klaus Lang is an emeritus professor at the University of Bern, where he developed uh, his, uh, a significant, the most significant part of his academic career. He is an honorary professor in Hong Kong at the University of Zurich, in London, here at QMUL as well. He is an honorary doctor at the University of Athens and Thessaloniki in Greece, which of course makes me even more happy, me being a Greek. He is a doctorodont at the University of Gothenburg, a doctorodont in Buenos Aires. And he has achieved a lot of things in his career, but I understand that one of his most happy memories in terms of points of career to be proud of was his uh, award for periodontal research award from the IDR in 1993. We will be discussing, Klaus, these moments of your career at different points for the next few minutes. But my first question will be, how did you start your career? Was it always your dream to be a dentist or even more specifically an academic in the field of periodontology and periodontal research? Well, if you ask like that, I must say no. I originally wanted to become a physician. And uh, I had some minority complexes, uh, probably because my father was a dentist, a very good one. But I saw that the physicians always looked down on the dental profession. And that bothered me. So I was starting my studies as a physician, but after the basic training of the first two years, I went to Vienna to have a, a semester in the air, uh, a broadening of the horizon, and that was the first clinical semester in medicine. <clears throat> what I did there is more or less a cultural semester. I went to the opera almost every night. I was 89 times in four months in the States Opera. And so needless to say, I got very, very excited with the performing arts. 
and instead of coming home and going as planned into dentistry, I said to my father, I want to become a baritone. I go uh, to the conservatory and get, get that education. And my father looked at me and said, how do you want to do that? And I said, well, probably the same way as I would study dentistry. And he says, uh-uh, no, no, we have a deal. You wanted to become a physician or a dentist. First you do that, then I pay for a second, uh, a second education, if you absolutely want that, but not otherwise. Fortunately, he did that because in the years to follow, I realized that uh, that is probably the most uh, involved desire I had, which is very hard to get to the top. And if you don't get to the top, you are going to eat the breadcrumbs from the floor. <laughs> so that was the start. And then I, of course, studied in Bern. Uh, and after the finishing the studies, I went to a private practice in, in the mountains for one and a half years, where I got really my fingers wet. And then I came back to the university into what was not yet officially recognized, but it was a, a graduate program in Crown and Bridge. And that graduate program in Crown and Bridge made me very, very happy, very excited about uh, the academic part behind it. And uh, so I was very proud to be uh, a Crown and Bridge man. And yet, uh, I didn't know anything about periodontics. And on my honeymoon to Aarhus, Denmark, I met Harald Lö and his department. Harald Lö was not there, of course, as it is for the chairman, they are always gone. Uh, <laughs> but somebody else showed me their slide tapes and I felt all of a sudden I felt, for heaven's sake, this is a completely different world than the mechanically oriented world I was in there before. So um, I applied, I was accepted, but I had to bring my own money. And there was my first case of luck because the Swiss National Foundation for Scientific Research paid my year in Denmark I went there and I fell from the sky. I all of a sudden realized that dentistry was a biological uh, subject, not a mechanical one. And from there on, I was sold on periodontology. I stayed in Denmark one and a half years. And then uh, it is owing to Harald Lö, my first mentor, that I couldn't uh, leave that. I had to pursue it. And when he left for the United States to become the research director in Michigan, I went along with him. And there I was lucky the second time 
because I got one of the best mentors in the field, which was another Norwegian, Harald Lewis, Norwegian. The other Norwegian was Sigurd Ramfjord. So with these two mentors, I had at the end of the training in Michigan, I had a rucksack that nobody could beat. Really, I came back home into the third world country of Switzerland in Perio, and I had a job to do. And that means to implement Perio in Crown and Bridge first. And I did that. I took a job in Crown and Bridge Prosthetics. And finally, I think four years later, I became the chairman of Crown and Bridge. Needless to say that I always uh, speculated to become Perio chairman one day. And it took 12 years. After 12 years, uh, my colleague had a stroke, uh, the one who ran the Perio department or Perio division and uh, they were looking for a new chairman. And they then made um, a decision that they would merge the two departments. And that is the third best thing that happened to me, the third time luck, because in that time, in 1992, to merge Crown and Bridge reconstructions, and perio, and that in an era where the implants became a reality, made me uh, the king. And from then on, I was, of course, in perio, and I always have uh, implemented biology also in restorative dentistry. So this is the way things started. I think this is a, a very uh, exciting uh, story of events and I would just like to go back a little bit to Denmark. Uh, as you know, uh, we also met when in my time in Denmark and I know that Denmark has a, a maybe a special uh, you know, place in your heart because of the great friendships uh, you have developed there. So you spoke about the mentors. And uh, for me, you are a person, you, you are a person, you're my mentor, my professional mentor, but I also know that how much it means for you to mentor the young generation or to be able to spend time with the young generation and advise them. What were the specific elements that the two mentors that you mentioned, Harald and Ranfjord, what were the points that you think that you still carry over all these years after you have met them? This is a very involved question and I can go on for two hours on that. Both of them are Norwegians. That means they are kind of stubborn. <laughs> Both of them come from within 150 kilometers in Norway near Trondheim. One was 15 years younger, that was Harald Lö, than Sigramfjord. And both had a very strict concept of what they believed in. And they always, always tried to implement this 
by also doing the appropriate research to follow this. So Sig Ramford was probably the first one who did longitudinal studies uh, that we today call evidence-based uh, uh, clinical research. He has started with this and uh, he started about five years before I went to Michigan. And Harald Le, of course, is the author of the, I can say, earth-shaking study on experimental gingivitis in man. With this, he had established a cause and effect relationship between bacterial plaque and inflammation. And it up to now is the basis for our periodontal prevention and therapy. So these were, were the professional aspects, but more so the private or friendship aspects were unique with the older man. I, of course, honored him by always say Dr. Ramford, so on, while they called me Klaus. But the moment I was finished and got my master's degree, Sig Ramford came to me and said, now you call me Sig. And I almost fell down uh, when I heard that because nobody would do that. So uh, from then on, I called him sick. While Harald Le was uh, much more liberal being 15 years young, younger. He was the first professor in Aarhus when they started the school in 1961 or so. And he came from Norway, was very young, I think 35. And he uh, used first name basis for all his co-workers. And that for me was also a, a uh, unbelievable experience because I was used to the Germanic German system where you would, of course, uh, never call somebody by first name. And in Copenhagen at the same time, they also called their professors by Professor Kropolsen and whatever they were called, and not first name. And even worse, they, uh, worse, even uh, more, uh, more involved, they uh, called them by, in the third person, would pro the professor show me this or that? So it was like addressing the king. And in Aarhus, uh, only, I think, 200 kilometers further west, uh, it was first base, uh, first name base. So you can imagine me coming into that environment. It was unique. And you said it correctly. My heart has been in, in Denmark ever since. I learned the language very, very fast. When I learned the language, I got into the Scandinavian culture, which in my school education was not, we, we knew that there was a writer called Ibsen, and we, we also knew something about Scandinavian culture, but not near as much as I 
later on learned. And um, this has opened the whole north to me. And ever since I have um, had very great friendships also with uh, Torquil Karing, who was uh, sharing the office with me. And Torquil Karing became one of the world's leaders in regeneration, uh, together with Sture Neumann from Gothenburg. And these two guys were my very close friends. So uh, it is not being a mentor, but a friend where you could sit down and you could talk an evening about one little single problem and fight about it and come up with some conclusions. That was actually a unique experience throughout the years with these two guys. I think this is a very, uh, very nice point maybe to kind of ask you a couple of uh, questions in relation to this period, the period of developing periodontal regeneration, because you have been there from the beginning. And for us, younger generation, and even younger than me, we kind of take that for granted that this is there and is now clinically applicable both in periodontology and in implant dentistry mm -hmm. on a daily practice. Would you like to elaborate a little bit how these debates that you've been discussing with your friends, your colleagues, how did they take place? What, what was the, the spirit at the time? How all these ideas have been developed over the years to now have a webinar a web discussion about oral regeneration and legends on oral regeneration. Well, um, when I came to Denmark, it was in 1971, uh, to the department. As I said, I didn't know anything in Perio. So I learned everything through a number of very good clinicians who were really very devoted to teaching and uh, they were senior lecturers and so on, and they kept me uh, in the system. But what was more important for the later career was the fact that there was a research spirit in the department. And that research spirit was generated by regular research meetings on Tuesday afternoon. So Harald Löw would come and always ask, what's new? And then uh, Torkil Karing and uh, the other two who were there, Holm Peterson and uh, me and uh, another one also from Canada, we were supposed to tell him how far we are. And there was a lady called Birgit Elegor who was dealing with reattachment. But what they actually meant was new attachment. But uh, reattachment was the big thing. And I once uh, witnessed a lecture to the undergraduates by Harald Leu on reattachment. And I said, this is, this is fantastic, but it doesn't work. It cannot work. And uh, finally, everybody realized that people meant Re, uh, meant new attachment, but it wasn't there. New, new attachment would mean new cementum formation. So um, there was a search for the truth there. 
And as you said, today we take it for granted, but at the time it was a very systematic approach by the two, Newman and Karim, to uh, ask the question, which cells can produce cementum? These must be stimulated in a lesion in order to get cementum formation with inserting fibers. And that happened after I had gone from Aarhus and the reattachment bit was slowly going to change towards uh, new attachment and these uh, dog studies were done that became world famous. And it is really owing to them, and I must mention also Jan Linde, who was also instrumental in this. So this was the Scandinavian group between Aarhus and, and, and uh, Gothenburg, which uh, gave us this principle of regeneration. So I understand that uh, you moved then to your own department in Bern. You build it up, and I can see, by following your career and the literature, this systematic approach that you moved and you applied in your own research, uh, in clinical research, with the chlorhexidine studies, but also, even more importantly, for uh, the discussion of regeneration in the field of bone regeneration and, and implant dentistry. Looking back, what do you think were milestone, milestones in your area, in your academic research in this field of bone regeneration and implant dentistry, from the moment that you start developing this portfolio of activities in your own department? You see, uh, one doesn't necessarily develop things planned all the way through, but you take the next step, and when you take the next step, you get an answer and 15 new questions. So, uh, and I was, of course, also limited by the facilities. I could not do animal research in Bern, but I tried to do it all over the world. I kept on doing animal research in, in Michigan and so on. But uh, I think the greatest uh, uh, wow experience was when... I realized that bleeding on probing was really a very key symptom for inflammation. And they started in 1986 doing the first study on looking at the prognostic value of bleeding sites. This was far away from what it is today, but it was the start. And I would say that one of my research branches was always clinical research using the patient's own data to prognosticate and to guide the therapy. That later on uh, materialized in studies on maintenance patients that we have published and I think uh, contributed with this. So it is I wouldn't claim uh, that the greatest impact I have had is in regeneration, but in, in the monitoring of, of teeth and implants. 
I think this uh, uh, is is a very important point, especially today that uh, we try to maintain uh, teeth. I think we're going back to the studies and we see their importance and some people further develop them. And I think there's a very important message uh, uh, on, on uh, the systemic approach you had uh, for developing this type of work. If we change a little bit the topic now, and of course an easy question would be, which I don't necessarily want you to answer it. If you had to change something in your career, or if you wanted to do something different, what would have been? Nothing. I expected that you would say that. Therefore, yeah. I will rephrase it maybe. <laughs> I will rephrase it in a way, if you were about to start your career now, with the knowledge that you have accumulated and the personal, professional and personal experience you have accumulated all these years. What would you have done different? And what would be the advice to a young person today with the realities of today? Well, I have uh, not any factor or any uh, story that is different from what I did, although I didn't do it in good conscience. I, I did a lot of things by intuition and they happened to, to be uh, successful. Uh, in other words, uh, what do I tell my daughter who is finishing up dentistry now and wants to go into perio if she would be academically interested? What would I suggest to her? One thing I suggest to young people is go away. Go away into a foreign country, get yourself a good mentor, and then come back also in time. If you are for uh, five, seven, ten years in another place, you will not come back. But uh, you need to have a distance towards your own education and you need to be influenced by a good mentor. And that happened to me automatically. But I first realized later that this was the essential thing that made me go forward. I think this is a very, very good advice for uh, the young generation. And uh, um, I, I certainly would uh, recommend to everybody to follow this advice uh, following this uh, interview. Going to some more personal touches now as we getting to the end of this uh, uh, interview. What are your personal most important achievements? We talked about the professional, but what are your personal most important achievements, which can be related to this very uh, important and, 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 and I successful told, I career? I told you initially that I wanted to become a professional singer. And I think one of the best achievements I have had is that I have made a record with uh, mezzo-soprano, me being Don Giovanni and she being Cerlina, and we were uh, giving that uh, aria together in uh, my final uh, symposium before I retired from Bern. And 
that record is still in existence and I'm quite proud of that, that I have made it to the level where you can listen to something. Uh, as I said, the performing arts were always my hobby uh, and you cannot expect to be number one there even if you look like Pavarotti, you're not Pavarotti, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I may uh, add something on that on a personal basis, I think uh, uh, you are, in terms of your interpersonal relationships, you're always very humble and uh, you're very supportive and you always have an open door uh, to people to ask and uh, to provide advice. And I think that maybe you do not say it as your personal achievements, but I know for a fact that many people younger than you consider that as one of your most important and precious gifts. And uh, I think you should also take that as one of your personal achievements as well, as, as, a, as a human being, not only as an expert. Nikos, you know me too well. <laughs> well, it's a, it has been a privilege to know you all these years, but also have this interview with one of the legends in oral regeneration, periodontology and implant dentistry. So Klaus, thank you very much. It has been really a rewarding uh, 25 minutes. Thank you. Thank you.